We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. And away we go, episode 205 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, December 10th, 2021, and it is on. And when I say it, you know what it is. The 6-6 and Washington football team versus the 8-4 and and NFC East leading. Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. The game on Thursday taken to a whole new level. Thanks to the head coaches, we had ourselves quite the back and forth between Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy and Washington head coach Rod Rivera. The kind of thing that you get for a rivalry game. So this all started Thursday during the day. When Mike McCarthy, who was back from a COVID-19 induced absence, said the following during a press conference. I'm excited about what's in front of us because, you know, we, we, you know we're, we're going to win this game. Um, I'm confident in that and just, to, you know, the prep that's going into it. Uh, but, you know, more importantly, we're going to, you know, we want to improve too along the way. So I think that's all part about what the challenge of December football gives you. So... Said Mike McCarthy on Thursday, quote, we're going to win this game. I'm confident in that. End quote. You know, we're, we're going to win this game. Um, I'm confident in that. Yeah, there it was. Now, Mike McCarthy wasn't necessarily being a jerk, but he said what he said. And by the way, he said what he said unsolicited. I watched that press conference. Mike McCarthy was not asked whether he thought the Cowboys will win at Washington. He put out what he put out on his own, unprompted. 
Well, fast forward to Thursday evening. Julie Donaldson of the Washington football team tweeted out a video clip of an interview that she did with Ron Rivera for the Ron Rivera Show. And here is what was in that clip. Mike McCarthy basically guaranteed a win, going out there and saying Dallas will get this victory. What is your response when you hear a head coach saying that? I think it's interesting. I don't think it's important. I think that's the big mistake is because as far as I'm concerned, you know, you do that for a couple of reasons. One is you want to get in our head. And so I've told our players, this is that's interesting. It's not important. What's important is our preparation, getting ready to play on Sunday. Secondly, he's trying to convince his team, you know, so again, I think that's another mistake because he's now made it about him and what he said. It's not about his players anymore. So I think that's the big mistake. That's why, to me, you know, you don't do those things. What you do is you focus in on, you get ready, and you play football. We show up on Sunday, and we'll see what happens. How about that? How about that from Ron Rivera? Don Ron dropping a punk card on Mike McCarthy. I love it. Ron struck back. You hit us. We hit you back twice as hard. The rivalry is back, people. And it is so on. Washington versus Dallas at FedEx Field on Sunday. Hello and welcome to a special Washington football team pregame show installment of the Al Galdi podcast as we prepare for one of the great rivalry weekends in Washington, D.C. sports history. Are you aware of what we have this weekend? So we have the Washington football team hosting its arch rival, the Dallas Cowboys, Sunday afternoon at 1. We also have the Capitals hosting their arch rival, the Pittsburgh Penguins, Friday night at 7. We also have Georgetown hosting its arch rival, Syracuse, Saturday at noon. And we also have Navy facing its arch rival, Army, at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, Saturday afternoon at three. Seriously, has there ever been more of a rivalry weekend in DC sports than this weekend? Uh, I have so much for you on this show on Washington, Dallas. Next segment, I'm talking Washington offense, including the latest on injuries, the matchup with the Cowboys defense, and some good stuff from Scott Turner on Thursday on Taylor Heineke. Big spot for Tay-Tay on Sunday. Uh, I'll then talk Washington defense, including the latest on injuries, what Washington will be facing in the Cowboys offense, and some good stuff from Jack Del Rio on Thursday. I'll then welcome on a special guest to smarten us up on the Cowboys even more, Brad Sham, the legendary radio voice of the Cowboys. He's been on Cowboys radio broadcast since 1976. Brad's really good, and Brad speaks truth about the Cowboys. He's not one of these play-by-play announcers who's afraid to say anything critical. Uh, and then, yes, my rhyming keys for a Washington win and my prediction for the game. Uh, I mentioned Navy versus Army. I will be giving you a Goldilock for that game. We did get some bad news regarding Washington's playoff situation on Thursday night. The Minnesota Vikings won. Uh, thanks a lot, Pittsburgh Steelers. So the Vikings beat the Steelers 36-28 on Thursday night football because, you know, Kirk Cousins never wins in primetime. Uh, Kirk actually wasn't that great, uh, but Dalvin Cook was great. 27 carries for 205 yards and two touchdowns. The Steelers' run defense was atrocious. I share a bed 
with a Steelers fan. I was watching this game. The Steelers could not stop Dalvin Cook to save their lives. So the Vikings now are 6-7, and seven, uh, although their record in games against NFC teams this season is just 4-4. Four and four. Washington's is 5-2. and two, So Washington does have that tiebreaker should Washington lose to the Cowboys on Sunday and fall to 6-7. and seven. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from Robin on whether I should keep saying the number of each episode at the beginning of each episode. Uh, says Robin, absolutely in favor of keeping the announcing the episode number tradition alive. Without it, listening to episode 203, at times I would have thought it was an off-season talk Fitzmagic up episode. Just kidding. Love the pod. Keep it up. We're tuned. Uh, thank you, Robin, for that. Uh, yeah, the feedback continues to be pretty one-sided in favor of maintaining the proclaiming of each episode number at the start of each episode. Tweet from Mind Aftermath PhD on my rhyming keys for Washington football team games. Uh, says Mind Aftermath PhD. One question as we prepare for Friday's podcast with the rhyming keys. Do you ever look at the accuracy of these keys? It'd be interesting to hear on Monday or Tuesday which ones we actually followed through on, especially when we win. Uh, good question. So inevitably, I do look at how Washington did in terms of the rhyming keys uh, and how I talk about the game on the following show. But I don't explicitly bring up the keys during the analysis of the games. There's a lot going on with the Washington football team postgame show installments of the podcast, especially with most of those shows being Monday shows. And Monday shows are always loaded shows because there's so much to get to from the weekend. But yeah, uh, I could make it more of a point to revisit the rhyming keys. Uh, Colin Cowherd does a segment like that, where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. Uh, email from Jack L, who offers, wait for this, an apology to Ron Rivera. Writes Jack. Hi, Al. I apologize to Ron Rivera for the email I sent you when the WFT slash Redskins were two and six, saying that Rivera would resign at the end of the year and that the team was on its way to Zornville. Obviously, I could not have been more wrong. And I apologize to Ron Rivera, parentheses, not that he cares what I think, and of course, what I think does not matter. What Ron Rivera has done with this team and pulling it together is pure class and leadership, and I could not have been more wrong, and I could not be happier about this team. And it isn't just the winning. It is the fact that there is a real and total team effort, and that is what I always hope to see. Al, thank you for your podcast. It is top of the line. Respectfully, Jack L. Well, thank you for that email, Jack. Uh, very nice of you. Very classy of you to apologize to Don Ron. Uh, I have a lot of respect for you, Jack, because most of the Ron Rivera bashers cannot be found right now. Uh, they're in hiding with the Taylor Heineke haters. The taters. Uh, email from Gerald on the Washington football team. Writes Gerald, I told my sons in our weekly text chat during the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that we're going to go 9-0 and the rest of the season. It could have been the G&T that I had pregame, but the feeling is still strong. So much so, I really feel we'll win a playoff game this year, and Taylor Heineke will be mentioned as an MVP candidate. Wow, Gerald. 
Uh, but how about that? My man Gerald predicted 9-0 and during the win over the Bucks at FedEx Field in Week 10. Well, uh, Washington has gone 4-0 and starting with that game. 4-0 and is not 9-0, and but you can't go 9-0 and without first going 4-0, and unless there's a new math that I'm not aware of. Uh, if someone has invented a new math, then maybe you can go 9-0 and without first going 4-0. and But as far as I know, you can't go 9-0 and without first going 4-0. and But quite the foresight from Gerald to make that prediction. That's the kind of foresight that you should have with your health, especially your skin. Skin cancer is the most common of all cancers. A skin cancer actually accounts for nearly half of all cancer cases in the United States, but skin cancer can be very treatable. Uh, just ask Ron Rivera. Uh, if you have questions or concerns regarding your skin, contact Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He's a big Washington football team fan. I know he's pumped for Dallas Week. He's a big listener of this podcast. And operating under the direction of Dr. George Verghese is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. The institute focuses on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. And specific to skin cancer treatment, the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offers something very special and cutting-edge, superficial radiation therapy, or SRT. SRT is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. Uh, SRT is revolutionary. It's a non-surgical skin cancer treatment that's safe and effective. You see, having skin cancer doesn't mean having to have surgery and the downtime and side effects that go with surgery. You have options. Understand that a non-surgical option in SRT is available. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer SRT, unlike many other dermatology practices in the area, and SRT is covered by most insurances. To find out more, call 301 396 3401. Make sure you tell them that Al Galdi sent you. That's 301-396-3401 or visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. For all of your skin health needs, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. Well, Sunday, we have the biggest Washington football team, Dallas Cowboys game in years. Probably the biggest game in the rivalry since Washington's loss at the Cowboys on Thanksgiving 2016. The Washington football team, which has won four consecutive games in going from two and six to six and six, will face the eight and four and NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at one. A win would move Washington to within a game of the Cowboys for first in the division, with each team having four regular season games left, including another game against each other in week 16, right? Washington is playing the Cowboys twice in three weeks. Washington will be at the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football the night after Christmas. Now, a loss for Washington on Sunday certainly doesn't eliminate Washington from NFC East contention, but a loss would shift the focus for Washington more toward wildcard contention. 
Next segment, I'll talk Washington defense, including the matchup with the Cowboys offense. You will hear the best of what Washington defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio said on Thursday during his post-practice press conference. But right now, let's talk Washington offense and its matchup with this Cowboys defense. So some encouraging injury news for Washington's offense on Thursday. J.D. McKissick on Thursday was a limited participant in practice. This off him having not practiced on Wednesday. Now, McKissick was inactive for Washington's last game, the 17-15 win at the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday due to the concussion that he suffered in the win over the Seattle Seahawks at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football in Week 12. Uh, as for Washington's situation at center, so Wes Schweitzer on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day. Schweitzer was inactive for the win at the Raiders due to an ankle injury that he had dealt with in each of the previous two games. Schweitzer is Washington's third string center and also a key backup guard. Washington's second string center is Tyler Larson. He on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. So Larson could be back playing this Sunday. Larson for the win at the Raiders was active, but was only available for an emergency situation. And uh, he did not play for a second consecutive game due to a knee injury that was suffered in the win at the Carolina Panthers in week 11. Curtis Samuel on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day as he deals with his groin. Ricky Seals-Jones on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. Perhaps he'll be back on Sunday. Seals-Jones has been inactive for each of the last three games due to a hip injury, and his return is needed, right, given that Washington on Wednesday placed Logan Thomas on the reserve injured list due to the knee injury that he suffered in the win at the Raiders. And Brandon Sheriff on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day as he deals with a knee. The Cowboys defense is pretty healthy in terms of active roster players and could be getting even healthier because there's a real expectation in Dallas that edge defender Randy Gregory will be activated off the reserve injured list for Sunday's game. Uh, Gregory has been dealing with a calf injury. Micah Parsons, the Cowboys stud rookie defensive player who can play both edge defender and linebacker, is dealing with a hip ailment. He was a limited participant in Thursday's Cowboys practice off not even being listed on the Cowboys injury report for Wednesday. But another stud edge defender for the Cowboys, Demarcus Lawrence. He and the Cowboys last game, the 27-17 win at the New Orleans Saints on Thursday Night Football in Week 13, returned from a 10-game absence caused by a broken foot. So the Cowboys on Sunday at Washington could have Randy Gregory, Micah Parsons, and Demarcus Lawrence all playing together for the first time since Week 1. Micah Parsons, as you may know, is a freak. Now, the Cowboys took him with the number 12 overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. There were character concerns with him coming out of Penn State, but Parsons has been great for the Cowboys. Parsons, through Week 13, led all rookies in pressures for pro football focus at 50, and Parsons, through Week 13 per PFF, was the only player in the NFL with more than 40 pressures and fewer than 300 pass rush snaps. Washington offensive coordinator Scott Turner on Thursday did his weekly post-practice press conference. Here was Scott on Micah Parsons. 
He's a it, Michael Parsons is an explosive pass rusher, and he does it from a lot of different spots. So you know, having the crosshairs on him, and we got to make sure we know where he's at at all times. And it's not a one man job, you know. And it's a you know, it's a group effort to make sure we're affecting him, and we can't let him hurt the, blow up the game. And then you know, they got the other guys too, Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, all those guys. And um, you know, we got to we got to help uh, with with different guys. It's not just the line, you know. And we, you know, we'll have a plan for those guys. We're not going to let them. We're not going to let him ruin the game. Uh, quarterback's got to make decisions quickly, um, get the ball out of his hand. Uh, but, you know, whenever you play a team that's got a violent pass rush like that, like they, they're a, a huge priority and, and something that we got to be ready for. Yeah, no doubt. Washington's offensive line will be tested on Sunday. Now, the Cowboys defense has some really good numbers for this season, but has been susceptible to giving up big passing plays. I'm going to talk about that a lot more during rhyming keys. But could this game on Sunday end up being another really good game for Taylor Heineke? The numbers for Taylor Heineke during Washington's four-game winning streak are so good. Seven touchdown passes versus two interceptions, a completion percentage of 77.31, and he is quarterback to Washington offense that on third downs is 29 of 58, 50%. The Cowboys, though, through week 13, were number two in the NFL in third down defense. Cowboys opponents this season have converted on just 31.8% of third down opportunities. Scott Turner on Thursday on if there is anything different that he sees in Taylor Heineke at this point in the season. I think just understanding the grind of it, the the week in and week out, and and you know just to take it take it one play at a time, and um, you know not get too you know overwhelmed when it's good or when it's bad, you know, and and just the resiliency that that he brings, and that really he's shown over this this win streak of you know that you know if something bad happens we can push through it and we can you know we can fight through um fight through the adversity um, i think he's continuing to become a better and better decision maker and i think it's just from experience of seeing different things but um and, and some of his leadership's coming out too because he's getting more comfortable you know playing with the guys around him and you heard scott in that cut mention taylor heineke's resiliency so how about this taylor heineke in the win at the Raiders last Sunday, was credited with both a game-winning drive and a fourth-quarter comeback. Pro Football Reference tracks quarterbacks' game-winning drives and fourth-quarter comebacks. Pro Football Reference defines a game-winning drive as a fourth-quarter or overtime drive on which the quarterback's team takes the lead for the last time in what ultimately proves to be a win. Pro Football Reference defines a fourth-quarter comeback as a fourth quarter drive on which the quarterback's team scores while trailing by one score. However, the drive does not have to result in the quarterback's team taking the lead. Also, only games that end in wins or ties for the quarterback's team are counted. Taylor Heineke this season has four game-winning drives and three fourth quarter comebacks. I did some research on this. Washington's eight regular season quarterbacks from 2018 through 2020. Alex Smith, Colt McCoy, Mark Sanchez, Josh Johnson, Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, and Taylor Heineke. Those eight guys totaled just four game-winning drives and four fourth-quarter comebacks. 
Isn't that something? Washington's eight regular season quarterbacks from 2018 through 2020, three full seasons, totaled just four game-winning drives and four fourth-quarter comebacks. Heineke, this regular season, in which Washington still has five games, has four game-winning drives and three fourth-quarter comebacks. You know, Jonathan Allen, during his post-game press conference on Sunday night, said, quote, Heineke, what can you say about him? He keeps showing why he needs to be our quarterback, end quote. Those game-winning drive and fourth-quarter comeback stats, to me, really say a lot. And yes, a quarterback playing for a team with a bad defense and or a bad offense is going to have more opportunities for game-winning drives and fourth-quarter comebacks because his team, more often than not, is if not trailing in games, then playing close games. But it's hard to be a bad quarterback and rack up game-winning drives and fourth-quarter comebacks. Scott Turner on Thursday on what it says about Heineke that he constantly delivers in big moments. Yeah, I mean, I just think he plays each play one at a time, you know, and uh, and when you do that, it never becomes, you know, quote unquote, too big. You know, you're just executing uh, the situation that we've gone over a bunch of times. I mean, you know, you, t- you t- I think back to moments in practice, he's had a really good two minute drills against our defense and those things get heated and, and competitive and you try to make it as much as you can. Obviously, that's not like a game, but, you know, this is, uh, you know, I think it's the third time that we've driven down the field, um, either got a game winning field goal or touchdown. Um, and then we uh, took the lead in the fourth quarter in one other game or something. But he just stays within himself, you know, and, and takes what's there. I mean, obviously, there was a couple of risky plays that we, we got, uh, you know, went our way. But um, I don't I don't think he I think the, his secret and I don't know, maybe he'll tell you different, but he just doesn't make it more than it is. You know, he's just out there playing ball and trying to find completions and, um, you know, scrambling when he needs to. And we talk all the time in those two minute drills, especially at the end of the game. Like we should, we have the advantage. We know we got four downs, you know, so you get an extra down. Um, so if the play's not there, you know, find an incompletion uh, and just move on to the next one. Um, but, and completions are huge. And then um, we've done a nice job with our timeout situation. So we've, uh, of not using them early in the half. So we've been able to, you know, be clock friendly. Yeah, the concept of clutch in sports is a tricky thing, but anyone who watches sports knows that clutch is a thing. Taylor Heineke this season has been clutch. That's undeniable. The guy has delivered in a number of big moments and hopefully will continue to do so come Sunday against the Cowboys. Well, also clutch is the law firm of Paulson and Nace. If you've been wronged, Paulson and Nace will come through for you in the clutch. Think of Paulson and Nace as your own personal Taylor Heineke. Uh, Paulson and Nace handles complex personal injury, medical negligence, and wrongful death cases. The services of Paulson and Nace are available in D.C., Maryland, and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is a law firm that wins. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Why? Because Paulson and Nace has trial experience, which, believe it or not, is not something that every law firm has. You see, not all law firms focusing on medical malpractice, birth injuries, product liability, and other personal injury matters have trial experience. In fact, many law firms have no courtroom experience at all and look to settle such cases without ever presenting them to a jury. 
A client has limited options for reasonable settlement if he or she is represented by an attorney with limited trial experience. Paulson and Nace is different. Chris Nace is a past president of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. Matt Nace is a member of the board of the D.C. Trial Lawyers and has just tried two cases in D.C. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel as if you've been wronged, if you have a complex personal injury, medical negligence, or wrongful death case, or you think that you may have one but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let their family take care of yours. All right, so we on Thursday got some at least a somewhat encouraging news regarding two key injured players on defense for the Washington football team. Landon Collins on Thursday was a limited participant in practice, off not practicing on Wednesday uh, due to the foot injury that had him inactive for the 17-15 win at the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. Jamin Davis, who was in concussion protocol, also on Thursday was a limited participant in practice off not practicing on Wednesday. So perhaps those guys will be able to play in the big game against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. Jonathan Allen on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day due to a groin injury. Linebacker Jordan Kanashik on Thursday did not practice off having been a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. Kanashik is dealing with a hamstring, but, you know, he's a key special teams player as opposed to being a key defensive player. As for the Cowboys offense, running back Ezekiel Elliott is dealing with a right knee injury, but he on Thursday practiced fully for a second consecutive day. Running back Tony Pollard is dealing with a foot injury. He on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day, though the expectation is that he'll play on Sunday. We'll see. Well, Washington's defense is in the midst of what is really one of the great in-season turnarounds that you'll ever see a unit on a football team have. Uh, Washington's defense during the team's 2-6 and six start was one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Washington's defense during the current four-game winning streak has been one of the best defenses in the NFL. Look no further than scoring defense. Washington during its four-game winning streak has held opposing teams to an average of 17.5 points per game. That's it. And the opposing teams, right, have included teams quarterback by Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr. Washington defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio on Thursday did his weekly post-practice press conference. Here was Jack on Thursday on the evolution of Washington's defense this season. I would just say that we continue to work um, as a staff. We've got a great staff. We work well together. You know, our job is to understand how teams want to try and attack us and who we have available and how we can best utilize them. And uh, so we've worked hard at that. Um, our players, like I said, have, have continued to work hard at the process, the, the, the urgency to prepare, uh, to really refocus each week on the, on the task at hand, understand the things they like, you know, do our best to take some of those away. Um, working on the fundamentals. This time of year in, in December, 
you know, it's really about fundamentals. So all, all of those things kind of come into play, and, and we've been working hard at it, and I'm, I'm proud of the way we've worked and are continuing to work now. So this growth of Washington's defense this season, what is this growth most about? Is the growth more about Jack evolving as a coach and his scheme evolving, or is the growth more about the players evolving? Well, it's, we're all tied together. Okay. You know, so I'm not evolving by myself. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we, we work at it. Um, as a staff, you know, you grow. Um, you, we have relationships. We, we challenge each other in our, in our meetings. And then we're prepared when we go in front of the players. It's tight. We're able to, we're able to convey the plan, teach the plan, understand it. And, um, and, I, and I think we're doing that at a higher level. As, as the season has gone on, and that's, that's the goal. I mean, you know, you don't hand out prizes at the, at the quarter mark or at the halfway mark. Um, you know, we're fighting best we can to, to win each week. This week we need to get win number seven. And, um, you know, the ultimate goal is find our way into the tournament and uh, give ourselves a chance. But right now it's one week at a time, one game at a time, one play at a time. All right, so Jack Del Rio, as you likely know by now, does not like to say much at his press conferences. He speaks in very generic and nonspecific terms. We've had some fun with that on this podcast, this Washington football team season. Jack does not like to reveal much at his press conferences, and that's fine. Uh, But that is very different than how Ron Rivera usually is at his press conferences. And Jack has taken some jabs at Ron for being that way over these last two seasons. But you did hear Jack in that cut that I just played for you say that the defensive coaches and the players are conveying game plans, teaching game plans, and understanding game plans at a higher level now as compared to earlier in the season. To what does Jack attribute that higher level? Just a combination, a a culmination of of all the work. Um, Stay in the course. I think, you know, you could approach a lot of different ways. You could fragment. You know, you could, um, when you face adversity, you can you could separate and um, and not continue to work and grind at the details. Um, we've had some injuries. We have not blinked about that. We've put the next guy in. Uh, expected that guy to play well. Uh, and as a team, we're we're doing all we can to help each other and find a way to win. And this, to me, is a key point about Washington's defense. As bad as it was during Washington's 2-6 and six start to the season, and the defense was bad. It was really bad. Uh, we never did get signs of there being like a major divide within the defense in terms of the players. Now, we did have Ron Rivera pretty clearly telling us that Chase Young and Montez Sweat were underachieving and not always adhering to the defensive scheme. So you could call that a divide, but even that never came off like Ron hated those guys and vice versa. That came off more like Ron was frustrated by those guys, but he still was complimentary of those guys. But think about the secondary. Washington's secondary was a mess during the two and six start, much more than the defensive line ever was. And yet, as far as we know, Washington's secondary stuck together and did not fracture. And there's something to be said for that. There's also something to be said for Washington's defense having played, by far, its best four games of the season during this time without Chase Young and Montez Sweat. This Washington four-game winning streak is a four-game winning streak in which Chase Young has missed three and a half of the four games, right? 
He suffered his torn right ACL in the second quarter of the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field in Week 10. And this Washington four-game winning streak is a four-game winning streak in which Montez Sweat has missed all four of the games due to the fractured jaw that he suffered in the loss at the Denver Broncos in Week 8. And Montez, of course, will be out for Sunday's game against the Cowboys due to Washington on Wednesday placing him on the reserve COVID-19 list. But Washington's defense has been just fine without its top two edge defenders. The replacement edge defenders have done well. James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill and Daniel Wise and Shaka Tony and Boonmi Rotimi. Or is it Rotimi Boomi? Ron Rivera, I don't know. Rotimi Boomi? Yes, Ron. Whatever that guy's name is. Uh, all of these guys have contributed. Jack Del Rio on Thursday on Washington's backup edge defenders rising to the occasion during this four-game winning streak. They're excited. I mean, one thing you get, you know, um, obviously Chase and Montez are supremely gifted. Um, we miss them. We'd like to have them. Uh, but the other guys are excited about their opportunity to play. And so I think, you know, we're, we're seeing some of that, you know, their, their excitement, their, their eagerness to, to do their job, uh, to take care of business, and to, to allow our football team to continue to go at the uh, next man up mentality. And they've been next, and they've, uh, they've done a great job of preparing hard and playing hard. And, and uh, that's, that's all we ask of our guys. You know, dive into your preparation, understand your role, and, and compete to the best of your ability. And uh, if you're bringing that force and we're all doing that together, then good things happen. And good things are happening. You know, you see in sports sometimes a team lose key players. The backups initially do well, but then come crashing down to reality. Uh, we haven't seen that yet from these non-Chase Young and non-Montez Sweat edge defenders, you know, and the sample size is growing. Now, maybe we see the non-Chase Young and non-Montez Sweat edge defenders come crashing down on Sunday, but, you know, we're four games into this, and James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill and Daniel Wise and Shaka Tony and Boonby Rotimi are holding up. More from Jack on Thursday. I think what you get, sometimes you, you lose um, maybe a little bit of talent level, but you're getting eagerness and excitement. Guys are getting their first chance to play in a long time, it's, you know, a, a lot of different reps. And, um, and so I think they're very excited about that opportunity. So uh, all we ask them to do is do their job. So will they and the rest of Washington's defense do the job on Sunday against the Cowboys? Well, if you go by yards per game, the Cowboys through week 13 had the number one offense in the NFL this season. Now, personally, I never go by yards or yards per game in terms of measuring offense and defense. I think that's a really flawed way of evaluating offense and defense. I think most of you listening are on board with that. You know, there are a lot of people still in the media who insist on bringing up and going by yards or yards per game as a measure of offense and defense. I think the Football Outsiders DVOA metric is much better because it factors in context, and context matters so much in football. You know, there's a big difference between a two-yard run on a third and one and a two-yard run on a first and ten. DVOA accounts for that difference. Yards and yards per game do not. Anyway, Cowboys through week 13, number one in the NFL in total net yards per game. 
If you go by DVOA, Cowboys through week 13 were number seven in total offense, number eight in passing offense, and number 12 in rushing offense. Jack Del Rio on Thursday on the Cowboys offense. Yeah, we, we, we've played some really good offenses. This is another one. Um, you know, so it's, it's a challenge. You know, obviously they're, they're, they're very talented. Uh, they've got a big offensive line. Got a real capable quarterback. Uh, you know, backs, two backs, and, and, and skill people. You know, really tremendous skill people. So, um, yeah, it's a big challenge, you know. Uh, they're putting up some big numbers, and it's up to us to get them slowed down and give our team a chance to win. And, of course, uh, quarterbacking the Cowboys offense is Dak Prescott. Now, Dak, through week 13, was just 18th among qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in ESPN's total QBR this season at 49.7. But also for Dak this season is him having 23 touchdown passes versus eight interceptions. And Dak, through week 13, was number four among qualified quarterbacks in the NFL this season in completion percentage at 69. Uh, Dak has not been great lately. I'm going to get to that during rhyming keys, but here was Jack Del Rio on Thursday on Dak Prescott, who remember Washington did not face last season due to the compound fracture and dislocation of his right ankle that he suffered in week five of the 2020 season. He's a very, very talented guy. Um, I was at their training camp a couple years ago. You know, when you know the, when I when I had a year off and I was uh, working with ESPN uh, and I was very um, impressed with not just the athlete because everybody knows he's an athlete but the leadership you know some of the toughness that he showed uh, those are the things that really stood out that day when I saw him in person and um, you know, it was great to see him back uh, you know for for a great player to be back and, and healthy and playing. You're always happy to see that. Looking forward to competing this weekend. Lots of skill among Cowboys skill position players. Uh, the Cowboys top receiver is CeeDee Lamb, 57 receptions for 829 yards and six touchdowns on 90 targets. Receiver Amari Cooper, who remember Washington went after hard in free agency in the 2020 offseason. He this season has 46 receptions for 624 yards and five touchdowns on 67 targets. And tight end Dalton Schultz has 52 receptions for 580 yards and four touchdowns on 71 targets. A lot to be concerned with, including the running backs, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, although that situation is a bit complicated. Uh, I will get to that situation and much more on Dallas. Up next, as a welcome on our special guest, the longtime radio voice of the Cowboys, Brad Sham. Nobody knows the Cowboys better, and trust me on this, he's quite honest about the Cowboys. Brad Sham is not some shill play-by-play announcer. He's not some con man play-by-play announcer. Brad Sham tells it like it is, and he's next. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are entering the final stages of Dallas Week. It is now time to go behind enemy lines and find out all that we need to know about the Cowboys in preparation for Sunday afternoon's game at the Washington football team at one. And I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast, the legendary radio voice of the Cowboys, Brad Sham. He has been a part of radio broadcast for the Cowboys since 1976. Brad, it's great to talk to you. How are you? I'm well, Al. Thanks. Thanks very much for having me. Happy holidays to you. Yes, same to you and your family. So here we are, a truly meaningful Washington-Dallas game in the month of December. We've had way too few of these in recent years. It has been, as you know, a wild ride uh, these last few weeks for the Cowboys. They lost three or four off the grade six in one start, but did get a win in their last game, the 27-17 win at the New Orleans Saints on Thursday Night Football at Week 13. The Cowboys have dealt with injuries. The Cowboys have dealt with the COVID-19 situation on their coaching staff. What say you about the state of the Cowboys right now? They have this two-game lead on Washington atop the NFC East. Uh, Are the Cowboys poised to win the division, or are there real concerns with the Cowboys? Oh, somewhere in between, I think. They're they're certainly uh, in pretty good shape. I just think that the season starts now uh, for all the teams in the division. It's close, and it's not just this division. I I, uh, read Coach... Rivera's uh, comments in this morning's post about how uh, they must have sat around in the league office and said, let's all keep all the uh, eyes on the eastern seaboard glued to the TVs. And he's not wrong. He just didn't go far enough. That's what they had in mind for the whole league. And and that's why there are so many teams playing so many division games, uh, the bulk of them in this last month. So I, I think that uh, my own personal feeling, Al, is that um, – the Cowboys were never as good as a 6-1 and one record would indicate. And Washington was never as bad as a 2-6 and six record would indicate. I know they weren't playing well. I know the Cowboys were playing well. But some of that is what happens early. Some of it is who you're playing. And the, the water usually seeks its level. And so... Here they both are. You have the the defending division champions. I thought they were the team to beat coming in uh, because they're the defending champions. And Dallas had so many questions coming into the year. Some of those have been answered. Some have not. So are are they poised to win the division? I think that overstates it uh, from their point of view. But I'd rather have a two-game lead with five to play than not. Um, are they are they in complete shambles? I don't think so, but they're staggering a little, and they've got to prove some things, I think, to themselves first, and then the outside critics will take care of themselves. A lot of the things 
that Washington's done really well over the last four weeks or what the Cowboys have not done well over the last four weeks. And that just adds intrigue to this week's game as far as I'm concerned. Dak Prescott, how has he looked to you over his five games since missing the win at the Minnesota Vikings in Week 8 with that strained right calf muscle? He's physically fine. I'm 100% convinced of that. Um, he's He is not in a rhythm. I think he played poorly. I think they all did against Denver. Um, I guess they came out of their bye with that six-game winning streak. I think they might have uh, thought they were a little better than they were. Um, and, and one game can knock you off of your rhythm just like one game can get you back on it. And when that happens frequently is on the practice field, so we don't get to see it. Fans don't see it. Media doesn't see but a few minutes of it. So he can get it back. He can get the rhythm back. They, I think they've just got to shore up their uh, interior protection a little, which, of course, plays right into Washington's strength. But um, physically, Prescott's fine. He's missed a few throws over the last four weeks that he had not been missing earlier. He's also made some that are just uh, really top shelf. So he's, he's got to play better, there's no doubt. But he is, he is also not their problem. Yeah, you mentioned the interior protection of the Cowboys making that switch at left guard. One Connor out, another Connor in. Uh, where would you say that we are right now with the Cowboys' offensive line? Well, I mean, uh, they've they've made Connor McGovern the left guard, um, and I don't know. He's a little different kind of player than Connor Williams, but Williams had gotten a league leading number of penalties and and especially holding calls, and I think that his uh, benching. In in some respects, had actually less to do with how he was playing than how he was being perceived. Because I'll promise you, there are things that I've seen on the field the last two weeks, and it can be in holding, it can be in pass interference. But these games, I'm not breaking any news here. These games are not administered equally from crew to crew, from week to week. And I don't know how you how you play some of these positions. So Williams actually had done uh, a lot of things really well. He's not as strong as you'd like, and he can get a little overpowered, and uh, that's a concern. But but he'd also done a lot of good things. Really athletic player. But I think they were they were thinking that he was starting to get a target. And certainly other coaches would say in the meeting with the officials before the game, they would say, look. That guy's leading the league in penalties. Keep an eye on him. And it plants a seed. I would never suggest that officials would call a penalty on a guy because of something the other coach said, but it plants a seed. And so somewhere in between the number of penalties that he got and the number that, that he really committed lies how good a player he is. But they had a player they liked in McGovern. Very strong, not as not quite as experienced. And so he's got to kind of settle into his rhythm. He, uh, they have not, injuries and COVID have kept their tackle situation from being, I mean, I'm not going to get any sympathy from anybody up there, and I'm not, I'm not really looking for yeah. any, but in, in, injuries and COVID have kept their tackle situation from being um, a, as consistent as they'd like it to be. So they were without Tyron Smith for about three weeks. And Terrence Steele played on the right side. He was playing on the right side. Then he was on the left side. And then when he had to move to the left side, they put Lyle Collins back in, who who had come back from um, 
uh, an, an injury and he had a suspension earlier. And I, I thought that against Kansas City, I thought Collins had one of his worst games I've ever seen him play. And and so that helped get Steele back in the lineup. And uh, he's kind of getting his feet under him a little. Uh, and so Smith and Collins were the tackle combinations they intended from the beginning. And uh, so that's where they are now. Uh, I think the center... Biotish has improved a lot from the beginning of the year. He was having some issues. His play has been a little more consistent uh, over the last several weeks, but he is also not the strongest guy in the world. That's one of his uh, drawbacks, things that he's got to work on, and uh, and the right guard is a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. So they've, they've, they've got some inconsistencies, but you know when you just look at what every team is dealing with in the offensive line, and Washington's certainly no exception, um, that's just kind of how the league is right now. You've got to figure out a way to play well and play through it. And the quarterback has to be able to trust his protection. And when he starts to get a little skittish, and there may be a little of that going on with uh, Prescott, then uh, that calls on a lot of work in practice and a lot of coordination. It affects the timing of routes and all of these things. People don't don't realize it, but these these routes, these plays, these blocking schemes, and they're they're kind of like a Swiss watch. They really have to be fine tuned to work well because the other team is pretty good. We're previewing Washington Dallas with the longtime radio voice of the Cowboys, Brad Sham. So the Cowboys running back situation. I know that this is a popular topic, but. Ezekiel Elliott has been dealing with his right knee injury. He has very underwhelming numbers over the Cowboys' last four games. Tony Pollard has been the Cowboys' leading rusher in each of the last four games. He's averaging 5.6 yards per carry this season, but he's now dealing with a foot injury. Uh, I know, like we talked about, the Cowboys have had the offensive line issues, but who to you is the best running back on the Cowboys right now? Well, all things being equal, it's still Elliott. But I don't think all things are equal. He does have something going on with his right knee. I don't know exactly what. Uh, it's getting better, but the numbers don't back that up. And they're, you know, run the running game, Al, as you well know, is much like the passing game. If the if the uh, coordination of the run blocking, let alone the execution of it, isn't what you want, it's not going to look very good. Those guys can't do that by themselves, and. At the same time, uh, the great ones find a way to create a little bit of space and turn it into something. And Zeke hasn't had the burst that he had earlier in his career. Six years in now, we, we're, we're to the point where uh, running backs begin to drop off a little bit in today's league. But he, had, he hasn't had his normal burst, and they haven't had quite the normal push uh, how bad Pollard's foot is, I don't know. I mean, he was working with the trainers yesterday on the resistance cords. They'll both play Sunday. Um, but it, it, Elliot does Elliot does a lot of things that really help. He's good in the passing game. He's a tremendous blocker. Uh, he's not the runner that he was earlier in the year, let alone two or three years ago. But he's still uh, he's still better than many. And um, you know, I always marvel whenever these teams meet as presently constituted. I I marvel at the fact that uh, Pollard and Gibson were on the same team. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, I actually got a chance to see them uh, without without Pollard. Uh, he was already gone, I think, uh, two years ago. And But 
they played in the Cotton Bowl. I did that Cotton Bowl where they played Penn State, which is the first time I saw Micah Parsons in person. And um, and was so impressed with Gibson and with all of those weapons that Memphis had. And so now here they both are. Uh, and, and Gibson's just a really terrific player. I knew Washington had a good one when they drafted him. But, you know, neither neither of the Cowboys running backs is, is going to be at 100%. And uh, guess what? It's week. What are we? Week fourteen of the NFL season. Yep. That's what happens. Yep. Nobody's nobody's a hundred percent. You mentioned Micah Parsons. Uh, this Cowboys defense seems so much better than last season's Cowboys defense. I know that not every game has been great for this Cowboys defense, but this is the NFL in twenty twenty one. Defenses give stuff up. How would you say Dan Quinn is doing in his first season as Cowboys defensive coordinator? He's doing very well, uh, and to say that they that they're better than they were last year is to say that non-spoiled milk is better than curdled sour milk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were they weren't just bad; they were historically bad. They they were awful last year, and um, they were a big part of the reason that now you know Prescott wasn't playing, and they had all kinds of problems, but they were terrible. So they're not great. They haven't been great, but they're better. And Quinn is the one that every player I've talked to gives credit for that. He changed a bunch of things. They changed a lot of personnel. Uh, They've got several rookies making um, important contributions. They also brought in, I think I counted at the beginning of the year, eight veterans who had been with other teams that they brought in, all of whom have contributed. I think seven of them are still playing. One of them is Brent Urban, a defensive tackle, is on injured reserve. But they they found a way to bring in like eight guys, veterans from other teams, and mix them with a small handful of their holdovers and then uh, a a heavy dose of these rookies. And... um, they, they got them playing pretty well. Early in the year, they were creating a lot of turnovers, and when you do that, it's a great deodorant. It covers up uh, a multitude of defensive sins. They haven't been quite as adept at taking the ball away over the last month, and so that's something they're working on and, and trying to get back to because that is one way, if you can do it, to overcome a, a somewhat leaky defense, and there still is in some places, but it's way better than it was last year. It would almost have to be. What is the worry spot on this Cowboys defense? What is the potential fatal flaw for this Cowboys defense? <clears throat> Al, we don't have enough time. Well, wow. uh, yeah, they they give up way too many big plays. Uh, now, some of, look, some of these plays. Uh, I, the, the, the officiating, I, 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 I've never been one to complain about it because uh, it's the same for everybody theoretically, and and the great coaches teach that you have to be you have to be playing at a level above the officiating. Don't make them be a part of it. But I think it creates tremendous inconsistency. But they're still really average uh, in the in my opinion in the interior of the defensive line. Uh, they have not had a consistent pass rush. They're in the bottom of the league and the bottom third, certainly, in sacks to the degree that that's a measuring stick. Now they're going to have, I think this might be the first game that they're going to have uh, Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence and Parsons all together. I, I think I think Gregory 
had either an injury or a COVID issue in week one, and then uh, I'll have to go back and check on that. But then Lawrence got hurt in practice the next week, and yeah. he just came back. So they haven't had them together. And, and that theoretically should help, but uh, it's not going to help automatically. I mean, they've got to get used to each other. And uh, Parsons had a great quote yesterday. He said, you know, just because you put two pretty people together who look good on paper doesn't mean they're going to be automatically compatible. You have to work at it. That's that's wisdom beyond his years. <laughs> and uh, and because it's very true. But that'll make them better. I mean, the better, the more good players you have. That's why those guys get paid a lot of money. The more good players you have, theoretically, the, the better you should be playing. But they have not had a consistent pass rush. Uh, I do think the interior of their defensive line is average at best. And they have given up uh, a lot of big plays. And so those are the things that would be uh, of great concern, especially the way uh, Heineke's playing right now. He just looks so composed and calm and in charge. And they've got some great weapons down the field. And I know that one thing that Washington does best is run the ball and be physical but if I'm an offensive coordinator looking at recent Dallas tape and I'm I'm seeing those big games I'm seeing Teddy Bridgewater throw 50 yard touchdown passes I'm thinking oh I gotta take a few of those shots yeah perhaps Scott Turner is thinking that well it is nice to have the Washington Dallas rivalry be meaningful in December uh I thank you very much for your time and all the best to you thank you Al you too All right, it is that time, time to rhyme. It is time for Rhyming Keys, as I will rhyme the path to victory for the Washington football team and its game against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. And while this game is big, the quality of these rhymes is not. These rhymes are not meant to be good. Uh, They are simply meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment. Perhaps you are familiar with this saying. The worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so here we go. Rhyming keys for Washington-Dallas. How does Washington win this game? How does Washington notch a fifth consecutive victory and draw to within one game of the NFC East leading Cowboys. Let us rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one. This is for Taylor Heineke and Scott Turner. Do not sleep on throwing deep. So as we talked about with Brad Sham in our last segment, this season's Cowboys defense is much improved as compared to last season's Cowboys defense. But this season's Cowboys defense also has been susceptible to the big play. So the Cowboys through week 13 were number four in the NFL in pass defense for football outsiders DVOA metric. That's obviously really good. But the Cowboys through week 13 also were just 28th in the NFL in lowest explosive passing play rate allowed per sharp football stats. An explosive passing play is a pass that gains at least 20 yards. The Cowboys through week 13 per sharp football stats had allowed an explosive passing play rate this season of 
25%. And if you've watched some Cowboys games this season, you perhaps have seen some of these explosives given up by them boys. Uh, the Cowboys in their last game, the 27-17 win at the New Orleans Saints on Thursday Night Football in Week 13, gave up a Taysom Hill 70-yard touchdown pass to receiver Deontay Harris. 65 of the 70 yards were yak yards for the NFL. Uh, the Cowboys in their Thanksgiving game, the 36-33 home overtime loss to the Las Vegas Raiders, gave up five Derek Carr completions that each went for at least 30 yards, including two 50-plus yard completions. The Cowboys in their 30-16 home loss to the Denver Broncos in Week 9 gave up two Teddy Bridgewater completions that each went for at least 40 yards. This is a tricky Cowboys defense to assess. It overall is good against the pass. Uh, the defense overall is great on third downs. The Cowboys through week 13 were number two in the NFL in third down defense. But this Cowboys defense gives up explosive passing plays, which we have not had in abundance with Washington this season. Washington in the 17-15 win at the Las Vegas Raiders last Sunday had just two explosive passing plays. Uh, Washington through week 13 for sharp football stats was just 19th in the NFL in explosive passing play rate this season, 7.82%. Might this game on Sunday be a game in which deep threat, or at least supposed deep threat, Diami Brown does something? Diami in the win at the Raiders had one reception for six yards on one target and playing on just six of Washington's offensive snaps. That catch for Diami at the Raiders marked Diami's first target and first reception since the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field in Week 6. Diami Brown just isn't playing much these days. Diami, during Washington's four-game winning streak, has played on a total of just 30 of Washington's offensive snaps. But rhyming key number one, this is for Taylor Heineke and Scott Turner. Do not sleep on throwing deep. Rhyming key number two for Washington-Dallas. This is for Washington's defense. Keep the attack, quarterbacked by Dak, out of whack. The Cowboys offense has been out of sorts for weeks now. Uh, there are a lot of reasons for that, but while the Cowboys certainly are talented and capable offensively, their offense is not in a good place at the moment. Dak Prescott missed the Cowboys' win at the Minnesota Vikings in Week 8 due to a strained right calf muscle. He now has been back for five games. And how about this? No quarterback in the NFL since the start of Week 9 has faced more third downs than Dak Prescott has faced. And yet, only four quarterbacks during that stretch have generated a lower expected points added per play on third down plays than Dak has. Uh, expected points added, or EPA, is an advanced stat that is the crux of ESPN's total QBR stat. I will not bore you with a tedious explanation of EPA, but just know that EPA is very meaningful. Dak's not doing so well on third downs right now. The Cowboys over their last three games are just 10 of 41 on third downs. Washington's defense, of course, is thriving on third downs right now. Washington, during its four-game winning streak, has allowed opponents to go just 12 of 39 on third downs. 
Washington, during its 2-6 and six start to the season, allowed opponents to go 65 of 115, 56.52% on third downs. As for the Cowboys' running game, well, the Cowboys' top two running backs are banged up. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is dealing with a right knee injury, but he on Thursday practiced fully for a second consecutive day. Tony Pollard is dealing with a foot injury. Uh, he on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day. Now, Brad Sham last segment told us that both Zeke and Pollard will play on Sunday, but the Cowboys running back situation is in a very strange place. Zeke's numbers over the Cowboys' last four games are not good. Uh, Zeke over the Cowboys' last four games has totaled 45 carries for just 143 yards. He does have three rushing touchdowns during that stretch, but his yards per carry during that stretch is just 3.18. Pollard's yards per carry for the season is a very impressive 5.63, but there's a boom or bust element to Tony Pollard. Uh, So Pollard in the Cowboys win at the Saints had seven carries for 71 yards and a touchdown, but the touchdown was a 58-yard touchdown run. So Pollard's other six carries in the game totaled just 13 yards. Something about Washington's defense that has not gotten nearly enough attention this season is how great Washington's defense has been against the run. The pass defense was terrible during the 2-6 and start, has been much better lately, but Washington's run defense has been good really all season. Washington through Week 13 was number 8 in the NFL in run defense per DVOA. Uh, Washington's interior defensive linemen, edge defenders, defensive backs are all in really good places right now. There's very much a chance for that to continue on Sunday. And so rhyming key number two, this is for Washington's defense. Keep the attack quarterbacked by Dak out of whack. And then rhyming key number three for Washington Dallas. This is for the entire Washington football team. Make Mike McCarthy pay for what he said on Thursday. Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy, back from a COVID-19 induced absence. He, on Thursday, as you may have heard, said the following in a press conference. I'm excited about what's in front of us because you know we we you know we're we're going to win this game. Um, I'm confident in that and just the, you know the prep that's going into it. Uh, but you know more importantly, we're going to you know we want to improve too along the way. So I think that's all part about what the challenge of December football gives you. Yeah, you heard that right, Mike McCarthy on Thursday. Quote: We're going to win this game. I'm confident in that. End quote. You know, we're, we're going to win this game. Um, I'm confident in that. Yeah, Mike McCarthy said that. Now, Mike McCarthy didn't necessarily say that in a brash way, but he said that. And by the way, he said that unprompted. I watched the press conference. Mike McCarthy wasn't asked whether he thought the Cowboys will win at Washington. If he got asked that, then of course he would say, we're going to win this game. No, Mike McCarthy on Thursday volunteered that line. Again, quote, we're going to win this game. I'm confident in that. End quote. You know, we're, we're going to win this game. Um, I'm confident in that. There you go. Uh, for the record, we soon thereafter had this Q&A between a reporter and Mike McCarthy. He said, we're going to win this game. I'm confident in that. Do you think that could be taking the bulletin board material? 
I mean, what do my posts say? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, we fully, I fully expect to win every game I've ever competed in. I mean, that's that's what sports is all about. That's what the NFL. I trust me. I understand how hard it is. Um, they're working hard. We're working hard. But yeah, we we're clearly planning on going, to, you know, to Washington to win the game. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I tell you what, Mike McCarthy can dress what he said however he wants, but that, my friends, is a classic bulletin board material for Ron Rivera. That right there is a classic bulletin board material for Don Ron. We know by now that Ron is not shy about using motivational tactics, right? He, during this four-game winning streak, has been saying with frequency his phrase that pays. The phrase being, for every question, there's an answer. For every problem, there's a solution. For every Goliath, there's a David. For every giant, there's a stone. With Sunday's game being as big as it is, might it be, could it be, that that line from Mike McCarthy on Thursday goes down in Washington, Dallas lore? You know, we're, we're going to win this game. Um, I'm confident in that. Okay, Mikey Mike, we shall see. Rhyming key number three, this for the entire Washington football team, make Mike McCarthy pay for what he said on Thursday. All right, it is prediction time. The line for Washington Dallas per win bet as a very early Friday morning is Washington plus four. I would not be shocked if Washington lost this game, but I would be surprised if Washington lost this game by a lot. Uh, This game has all of the makings of a Washington-Dallas game that goes down to the final play. Give me Washington plus four. Washington wins on a Brian Johnson 43-yard field goal in the closing seconds. Washington 17 Cowboys 15, as yes, for a third consecutive week, we get the same final score. And for a fifth consecutive week, we get a Washington victory. And before we call it a show, I owe you a Goldilocks for America's game. Snoop Dogg, where you at? Make money, money, make money, money, money. There's my Snoop. Uh, Goldilocks, my picks against the spreads for games played by the Big Four in college football in the mid-Atlantic region, Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. The Goldilocks record for the season, a sparkling 26 and 17. The 2021 college football regular season is just about complete, but not entirely complete because we on Saturday have Navy versus Army. Navy versus Army will take place at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey Saturday afternoon at three. The midshipmen per Caesars Sportsbook very early Friday morning are plus seven. Uh, This will be the 122nd all-time meeting between Navy and Army. Navy leads the all-time series against Army. Navy all-time against Army is 61-53-7. And while Navy cannot win the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy goes to the service academy that does the best in the regular season round-robin between Navy, Army, and Air Force. Navy can prevent Army from winning 
the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy. A Navy win over Army on Saturday would deny Army the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, and a Navy win over Army on Saturday would make it so that each service academy went one and one against the other two service academies this season. The last time that each service academy went one and one against the other two service academies in a season was 1993. Uh, So on paper, Army is the clear favorite. Uh, Navy is just three and eight. Army is eight and three. Navy per ESPN is just 95th in the FBS in offensive efficiency. Army per ESPN is 30th in the FBS in offensive efficiency. Navy per ESPN is 88th in the FBS in defensive efficiency. Army per ESPN is 46th in the FBS in defensive efficiency. Uh, Navy is 88th in the FBS in third down efficiency at 37.2%. Army is 9th in the FBS in third down efficiency at 48.7%. You get the idea. Uh, Each team runs a version of the triple option offense. Each team is very good at avoiding penalties. Army is the obvious play, but the public money on the game is pretty evenly split. Why? Because this is Navy versus Army. These games can be very close. I said these games can be very close. It means you're close. Yes, Bruce Allen, thank you. Oh, Brucey, making an appearance here for Navy versus Army. Now, it's worth pointing out that while some Navy versus Army games are close, not all Navy versus Army games are close. Each of the last two Navy versus Army games has not been close. Uh, last year, Navy lost 15-0. 2019, Navy won 31 7. Now, each of the previous five meetings was decided by seven points or less, 2014 through 2018. But prior to that stretch, we had a stretch of 12 years, 2002 through 2013, in which Navy won every game, and 10 of the 12 wins were by double digit points. So there's no guarantee that this year's installment of Navy versus Army will be close. Uh, Navy has put forth some admirable efforts this season. I think back to October 23rd, Navy faced then number two Cincinnati at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis. And the midshipmen played the Bearcats tough for the final score of that game was 27-20. Yes, Cincinnati won, but here you had Navy facing the number two team in the Associated Press Bowl as a 28-point underdog or thereabouts. And the Mids actually led in the second quarter 10-7 and won the fourth quarter 10-0. Navy's most recent game was a 38-14 win at Temple on November 27th. But the Mids in this game routed a Temple team. That was awful. Uh, Temple had lost six consecutive games and had totaled just 45 points over those six games. The problem for Navy this season has been the offense. Uh, the quarterback play has not been great. Navy head coach Kenny Amatololo in that win at Temple played two quarterbacks and starter Ty Lovatai and backup Xavier Arline. Uh, Navy slotback Carlinos AC has had a good season, but this Navy team just isn't that good, and this Army team is good. Uh, nothing would be surprising in a rivalry game like this one, but give me Army. Minus seven. Make money, money, make money, money, money.
All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 206, will be a Washington football team postgame show installment of the podcast. In-depth reaction to and analysis of whatever happens for the Washington football team in its big game against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field Sunday afternoon at 1. I'll also give you my thoughts on the rest of the Washington, D.C. sports weekend, what is a loaded weekend. The Capitals will host the Pittsburgh Penguins Friday night at 7, and then we'll be at the Buffalo Sabres Saturday night at 7. The Wizards will host one of the best teams in the NBA, the Utah Jazz, Saturday night at 7. We have a jam-packed college basketball weekend. Maryland will face number 20 Florida in Brooklyn Sunday afternoon at 4.30. Georgetown will host Syracuse Saturday at noon. Virginia Tech will be at Dayton Sunday afternoon at 2. And we have America's game in college football, Navy versus Army at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey Saturday afternoon at 3. No other podcast covers D.C. area sports like this bad boy. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. You know, we're, we're going to win this game. Um, I'm confident in that. Mike McCarthy basically guaranteed a win, going out there and saying Dallas will get this victory. What is your response when you hear a head coach saying that? I think it's interesting. I don't think it's important. I think that's the big mistake is because as far as I'm concerned, you know, you do that for a couple of reasons. One is you want to get in our head. And so I've told our players, this is that's interesting. It's not important. What's important is our preparation, getting ready to play on Sunday. Secondly, he's trying to convince his team, you know, so again, I think that's another mistake because he's now made it about him and what he said. It's not about his players anymore. So I think that's the big mistake. That's why, to me, you know, you don't do those things. What you do is you focus in on, you get ready, and you play football. We show up on Sunday, and we'll see what happens.